Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Get your soul fed and your spirit red. This here ain't no trend. I possess the power from way back when. Back when folk was stripped from all of their kin. So they had to find the magic within. Ancestors and gather my herbs. I conjure at my altar. Hoodoo Plant Mamas. I manifest growth and I release trauma. Child, we just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business, you know? Everybody from the deep south, man. Everybody can have a culture like us. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a new season. This is season three. three. Wow. Season three. That's so funny. I can't believe we made it this far. Well... We're so happy to be back and super excited about our series for this season. This season um, is called Writing the Spirit, and um, each episode will be us interviewing a Black writer about writing and spirituality and that kind of thing, and we're super excited about it. Um, Before we get into more detail about that, let's do first a quick (laughs) check-in. How are you, Leah? I am making it. It was interesting, like, when we did our season finale, um, I had no plans for this summer. I had no place I had to be, nothing I had to do. And every single day, I have been busy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so recently, I got off of social media. So I know, like, um, I know recently, I saw some people who had, I think we got 30 new followers and messages One day I'll get to those, so please be patient. But yeah, I got off social media to finish um, revising my manuscript, and I feel like it's in a better place, so I feel good about that. And also when this episode comes out, I will be in Mississippi, so I'm pretty excited about that. So yeah, that's how I've been doing. How have you been doing? I'm making it. I have. It's been a busy summer. The summer flew by. Um... And we, you know, we've been doing podcast stuff. I too am on a social media hiatus and I have not been cheating. Usually I'll like, sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm going to be on a social media hiatus and I'll still be on there. I just won't be interacting. I won't respond to messages, won't post. But this time I actually haven't cheated because it's been making me feel so bad. It was just time to like fully divest for a little while, even from Instagram, which I love. That's probably... To me, the best one that still exists. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and reading, reading some beautiful work from the beautiful writers that we get to talk to this season, but also reading some, a few things that I'm like, I just want to read this. Um, so that's been really good. I feel like, yeah. So a question that we have been asked to answer more on our podcast is how are your plants? Yeah, my plants are doing fine. Of course, my OG, Bonnie, my bonsai tree, she's she's doing well. She's been shedding a couple of leaves and stuff, but she does that. Um, I talked about this on page on our Patreon. Um, the My prayer plants have been doing their thing, dancing. I, I call it dancing because they move a lot. I've never encountered a plant that moves as much as they move. Like literally in real time, like I'm sitting on my couch and I'm like, what is that sound? And it's them. Like, so yeah, um, I had a mushroom issue that I'm going to talk about on Patreon. I I started this plant confessions series and I hope Leah will join But yeah, very shameful in how I handled that because I have never dealt with mushrooms. And some of my other plant mama friends or plant parent friends are like, yeah, I get mushrooms all the time. That means your soil is healthy. And I'm like, well, what are you trying to say about my other plants and their soil? Because I never experienced that, okay? And I didn't know what to do when I take out two mushrooms and I wake up the next day and 10 grow back. In less than 24 hours. I'm sorry. It's something very suspect about that. So that's where I am on my journey. I was one of the friends who was like, the mushrooms are fine. And you were like, no. 
I told that plant, get out of my house. <laughs> like, it was bad. I'm never going to do that again, but I'm just saying I didn't handle it correctly. But now I know better. <laughs> oh, so for me, um, so this year, actually, I have had two plants on my wish list that I've had for years. And every birthday, I'm like, if anyone wants to give me a plant, you can give me these. No one ever gave them to me. So I had to give them to myself. <laughs> but at the beginning of this year, I got an alocasia poly. And then this summer, I saw a Monstera in Walmart that was a lot cheaper than I've ever seen anywhere else. I had to get it. So I recently completed my collection. All the plants I wanted, I have. Uh, I know someone asked recently if I still had 50 plants, and I don't. I count it. I have about 30 now, which is a lot easier to take care of. I may get a carnivorous plant because we have, like, a lot of mosquitoes around here and a lot of gnats in the house. I may just get that to kind of take care of that. So, yeah, that's how my plants are doing. Yeah, I think you sent me this one. And it's grown a lot. I have it in water. Right oh, yeah, now. I did. Put those. Mm -hmm. Yes. So they are so sweet and grateful for being treated well, unlike That's peace true. lilies, which we don't <laughs> even have to get into because I'm still mad. Like, I'm still. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into some gratitude. Um, what are you grateful for these days? I'm going to say I have been a bit resistant. But I am grateful for the reminders that I have work to do and the work that I have to do is writing. Because I'll, I'll talk about this a little later. But I recently got, um, I recently pulled tarot cards and it was like, you need to be writing. And then today I watched a video by Tarot by Bronx that was also like, you need to be writing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I need to be, but I'm grateful that I have these reminders that it's like, no, I'm not bad at writing. This is something I'm supposed to be doing. In the spirit of keeping up with the theme, then I also want to say I'm grateful for Lucille Clifton um, because I was reading, I think we both, you finished it. Yeah. I'm not even going to pretend like I finished it. I've finished <laughs> most, most of it. Um, in reading her work, I was inspired to write a poem recently. Um, it just came over me and, um, I want to say I'm also grateful for hope. Like I have made some decisions about what, what I want moving forward. I'm in the midst of my Saturn return. I'm going to be turning 29 in some months and that's an ending, but I also feel like it's the start of something of me going on a new, preparing for a new journey. And I've started like having to reckon with that about like, what, what do you want to do and what feels right? Like, and what is um, divorced from what you think other, what you think looks like, what you think other people want you to do or think you should do. So I'm really grateful for that clarity. Yes. That was a good um, poetry collection and I did finish it. <laughs> um, it's beautiful. Yeah. So Something we wanted to do, you already introduced that this season we are going to be talking about writing the spirit. And so the inspiration for this came from a Paris Review article by Marina McGlure, who talks about Lucille Clifton's life as a two-headed woman following communication with her mama through a Ouija board. Um, and I found this article, I sent it to you, and you were like, we have to do something with this. And eventually we thought to do a season about um, writing and writing the spirit. And something that I just want to put out as a reminder is I think when we talk about hoodoo, we get so like consumed in the spirituality. We get so consumed in like the rituals and stuff without looking at the products that can come from that. And writing is just one of them. Writing, art, music, dance, all of these can be considered hoodoo. So I, I'm very excited that we get to use something that we love, which is writing, and show that that too can be part of hoodoo. All of that. Yes, I agree. So something that I found interesting when 
I read this article where she talked about how she interviewed celebrity spirits. So spirits of people who used to be celebrities when they were alive. And one of their biggest regrets were their fixation on race. And so I know that she talked about kind of bad karma is like to be born a white man. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. But but, but this, this idea, like, you know, when you come to earth, you have work to do and you have to kind of, um, to do that work to return back to the spirit that you are. And so when you're a white man, it's easy to get lost or easy to get invested in this kind of material world um, that you kind of lose sight of your your spiritual goals. Whereas like those of us who are on the outside of these systems, it's easy for us to divest from them and focus on our spiritual work. So I like that. <laughs> So did you see in, um, yeah, in Soul Talk, which we'll get to in a second, um, in the interview, in her interview of Lucille Clifton, how she talked about Langston Hughes was trying to warn her against telling people about their communication. Am I making that up? Because she, no, I don't think you are. I think he said he didn't want to be named or something. He said something. Yeah, because basically people going to think you you know, you got some issues. And I thought that was hilarious. Okay. (laughs) Like, like he says, sis, like I I'm here, but I'm just telling you what I know the people are going to say. And I I want you to like tread lightly. (laughs) So that was super cute. Um, I also thought it was super cute, which she was playing a Ouija board with her daughters. Okay. That's just something they was doing. Also, the fact that they got a Ouija board, like, I'm just like, y'all had not the cool mama, though. They had, like, a super cool, quirky mama. Like, yeah, like, me and my eldest daughters was playing the Ouija, not Ouija, Ouija board, and then suddenly my mama showed up, like, essentially. (laughs) When I saw the Ouija board, I was like, I don't know about this. (laughs) Yeah, and the funny part is, it's, I think it did scare her by the way she described it, like how she put it up. She was like, uh-uh, no. And then <laughs> she came back and her mama was like, listen, you can't, you can run, but you can't hide. So I just like that whole, the whole process of like, it wasn't, she wasn't immediately open to it, which is such mm-hmm. a weird experience. Cause which is such a real experience because I can't imagine what I, how I would react to that. Like, come again <laughs> so yeah that was something I wanted to talk about was her resistance because that is something I related to like um a few months ago I was writing in my journal and I pulled tarot cards and the same the cards that I pulled said when I looked it up in the book it said the exact same thing that I wrote down and I was like no <laughs> No, and I have not touched those cards in months. And I finally did it a few days ago when I got the message to like that I needed to be writing. But, but yeah, like I think a lot of people think like spirituality is easy or it'll just come to you. But there's some of us who have been a bit resistant, a bit skeptical. But it's like it just gets to the point where it's silly to not believe in it. No, I agree. But there's also, and I also felt. When I was reading, well, we're going to get to this, but like reading Black women writers talk about their spiritual experiences was really validating, or Black women in general, um, because I think that sometimes there's like a guilt around being afraid. But when you've been socialized to believe that these things are you know, supposed to be scary, like you're not supposed to see spirits, you're not supposed to hear spirits. Um, and then pathologizing that experience as something's wrong with you, you're hearing voices. Um, I just think that that can make people resistant too, but there's so much more to like, as you said before, there's so much more to spirituality than that. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You ain't necessarily got to be channeling spirits or talking to spirits or whatever. There's so much more in, yeah. And I think we're going to see this, this season, like, 
not everybody we talk to would call themselves a hoodoo, but this it's in the writing. Like it's the writing is still spiritual. I mean, yeah. So yes. Something else I found interesting was Lucy Clifton um communicated with a group of spirits that she called the ones who talk, or I think they called themselves that. And from my understanding, they were spirits who had the choice to either reincarnate or ascend. And they chose to ascend because I was like, earth is raggedy. <laughs> I don't to do that. Girl, I'm a sin too. I'm a sin too. I don't want to come back. Um, but, but, she wrote down, I think for almost a year, She every morning they would tell her to write down things. And she had a pretty accurate foreshadowing of America being what destroys the world. It's kind of like, I think what she wrote was the, the uh, water that you poison, you have to drink. The air that you pollute, you have to breathe. Like you are going to have to deal with the consequences of your actions. And if you don't, the universe will abandon you. And it reminded me of 2020 and not just COVID, but also like the sky turning red, blizzards in Mississippi, <laughs> like all of these really bizarre phenomenons that happen. And according to climate change scientists, that's just the beginning. The earth will survive. We won't. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Um Lucille Clifton is also, I would call a nature poet. I'm sure other poets and writers who write about nature would call her that too. There's so much nature in her work and so much like environmental consciousness in it that's wrapped up in like the social and political experiences of being black people in this country. Um, And so I really love that about her work. Um, So yeah, well, we can start with you, Leah. When did you first learn about Lucille Clifton? Clifton and how did her work resonate with you? I believe the first time I ever came across her work was when you shared um, Come Celebrate With Me. Yes, when you shared that poem, that was the first time I came across. And like most people, the last line was what hooked me. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Um, and since then, like I revisit that poem at least once a year and something else comes out to me. Like I had no model when she talks about her life. I had no model. What did I see to be except myself? Mm. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was it for me. It was, it was beautiful. And I don't know, like her work when you read it is so simple but it's also, I don't want to say ambiguous because I feel like it has multiple meanings as you read and reread. Um, and for me, I felt validated. I felt seen. Yeah. And I, and that's what her work has done for me in my life, at least. I love that. And it's funny because Nadia, who's also going to be a part of the series later in the season, um, she's the one who introduced me to Lucille Clifton through that same poem. She loves that poem. It's a poem she's memorized that she said, to, you know, and it's a poem that I had adopted in certain ways into like a, almost like a meditative thing when I was feeling a certain way. Um, but through that, I found the book, um, Blessing the Boats, which is new and selected poems, 1988 to 2000. Um, and my favorite poem in this collection is actually Blessing the Boats. I would read that every day before I went and taught. Um, yeah, I, part of me wants to read it, but either way, that poem got me through. Um, and it was something about it that it became like, ritual like because I when my first year teaching college I had so much anxiety I had just come off of teaching middle school which was it was a disaster because of public school teachers don't get treated well or pay well especially if you're a new teacher and I just was feeling so scared and insecure it was a new journey and it was something about that um 
the last two lines and may you and your innocence sail through this to that. Um, all praises to Lucille Clifton because she does. This is another thing, like you said about it being so simple. She does so much with so little words and it's not no big, you don't have to Google every word she says. I mean, maybe you might have to Google some, some, I haven't experienced that, but you don't have to Google every word she says. She says it straight up, but it's so much to unpack. I love that so much with so little. A part of this series is also about writing as part of the hoodoo tradition. I believe, and I think Leah do as well. I don't want to be speaking for people, but I think that we believe Lucille Clifton is a, writes in the hoodoo, wrote in the um hoodoo tradition. Toni Morrison wrote in the hoodoo tradition. Alice Walker, who wouldn't call it hoodoo, um, based on interviews I've seen, Alice Walker is a peculiar one, but I love her because she's impacted me so much, but writes in the hoodoo tradition so many. I think that a lot of our storytelling is an extension of our ancestors, and um, I feel like we're writing somebody's story or some version of it. Toni Morrison did that with Beloved, um, and I also think the idea of writing in the hoodoo tradition as preserving, as archiving um, the black blackness in our stories. Like, I think that's all connected. And I think, I feel like most of the people we've interviewed have mentioned that their work feeling like an archive, like they're archiving something. I'm archiving these, you know, my mama story. I'm archiving the experience of living through constant police brutality and it being so hyper visible, you know, and all these, all these different ways that we are documenting what's happening to us and I think that's a part of that writing the spirit writing in the hoodoo tradition and what um Lucille Clifton Toni Morrison Alice Walker have really laid the groundwork for us not just them but some of the big people that we that we talk about yes I agree um with this idea of witnessing and recording um and that being part of the work that we are sent here to do as black writers. I I recently wrote something that was like, why did I remember all of this, all of these things, if not to record them? Because I know I was in I was in therapy and my uh therapist was like, you have such a great memory. And I was like, I feel like that's the problem. <laughs> I feel like that's why I'm here. Um but yeah, something else that I found interesting was when I finished this book, like a lot of memories that have been haunting me for years just like went away. I was like, I don't remember. And so part of my paranoia is someone like reading something I wrote and being like, can you elaborate on this? And I was like, child, I don't remember <laughs> a lot of what happened. Kind of like what you said when you would go back and read something, you were like, who wrote that? Um. But I guess the closest experience I've had to a kind of channeling was last year, I had this dream. It was a really bad dream. And I woke up at 2 a.m., terrified, shaking. And so that morning I went to the altar and I was just like, what am I going to do? That dream was terrifying. And slowly, like a story came to me um, as a way of making that dream into something else. And this was back when I was working from home. Um, so I was at work and I was trying to do my work and I couldn't because that story was just bothering me. And I remember it was like 3 p.m. I started writing it and I wrote from three to nine when I was eventually like, I have to eat, I have to go to bed, I have to do things. And then I woke up the next morning and I was excited to finish writing this story because something inside of me was like, this story has to be written and it has to come out. And I was very surprised at the response I got from it because I remember you read it and you were like, have you written fiction before? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and you were like, this is very well written. I was like, thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's like the closest experience that I've ever had to kind of like channeling that sort of energy. And it was very exciting. I wish I had more of that. So, yeah, I, I don't even know, I guess I don't even know if I would call it channeling, I, but I do feel like 
sometimes I ask myself questions like, where did that come from? Like, where did that come from? Um, and so now I kind of see it as someone else is speaking through me. And that's why <laughs> I've heard people uh, kind of like turn their nose up at it being like, oh, it's just some quirky thing writers say. Like, oh, I feel like I'm just, ex- all my characters, they're so loud. Because Toni Morrison talked about her characters that way. But I literally, that's part of the reason why it takes me so long to write stuff. I feel like I'm dealing with so many like different energies. All of these characters talking at once. Sometimes it keeps me up at night. Like I can be asleep and dialogue will come to me and I'm like, I know. No. And then I just don't finish that thing. Like it takes me so long to write um, short stories. Most of the short stories that I've gotten published recently are about to get published. I worked on those for two or three years. Something like I will do sometimes if I get stuck in a story or if I feel like a part isn't done or something needs to be fleshed out is I will bring it to the altar and I would just talk it out. And then the answers usually will come to me. And also like you, there will be times where like, you know, sentences or phrases or something comes to me or ideas will come to me. And if I don't write them down, they'll just bother me until they get written down. And it's just constantly in my head. I'm like, fine, I'll write it down. Um, But yeah, I think in those ways, it's kind of like, some out there wants me to tell a story. It wants me to be the one to tell it. Let me add this because, okay, we get it. <laughs> Nail. <laughs> Nail, we get it. The first piece of fiction that I ever got published was like these three monologues of these experiences of these, or two of two women. And then it goes into a child's perspective, which people really liked. I was shocked, but when I go back to that, I actually, it makes me feel a little, I can't describe it like weird when I go back and read it because it doesn't feel like me and it feels like, but that dialogue came to me. It was so strange, like this dialogue of a woman's baby getting taken while she's at the hospital, this dialogue of like, and that that used to have me shook. I'm not even going to lie. Um, and I still don't know where that story came from. But I know that it's one that like resonated with people who have reached out to me about it. And I'm like, wow, I guess wherever it came from, that story was supposed to be told. And I don't know. I, I definitely like the idea of going to the altar and fleshing it out. I've never done that before. Because oh. honestly... When that stuff comes to me, I'd be like, I don't got time for this. Like, I don't know who this woman is, <laughs> but I can't hold that right now. <laughs> well, I guess we can take a break then. Yes, we can. Did you have- Thank y'all for listening to Hoodoo Plant Mamas. If you're looking for other ways to support our podcast, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to monetarily support our podcast, you can join our Patreon. We recently brought back our $2 tier for those who want to give every month to show their support. Our $5 tier is all access and includes monthly mini-sodes, tarot readings, and plant content. If you prefer a one-time donation, you can give any amount um, you want on Cash App at Money Sign Hoodoo Plant Mamas or PayPal Hoodoo Plant Mamas at gmail.com. We have got a new patron over the summer. Welcome, Pamela. And thank you to Kala and Rebecca for your summer donations. Also, thank you, Felania. Felania, I'm so sorry if I pronounced that wrong, for sending us a book. It was Bell Hooks all about love. Thank you so much. I've been wanting to read that. Um, If you are interested in sponsoring an episode, email us at hoodooplantmamas at gmail.com. We especially want to work with Black, Indigenous, POC-owned, and queer-owned businesses. But if you're white business, want to support the work of two Black women, we'll take that too. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so the other book that's in conversation with the, this whole idea of writing the spirit, writing in the hoodoo tradition. Um, Soul Talk by Akasha Gloria Hull. So yeah, I found out about this book because Twitter was doing what it does best, putting business that didn't pertain to me on the timeline. Someone tagged Julia Mallory, 
um, a poet I love and who has been like a day one supporter of the podcast. She'll also be a part of the series. Um, someone tagged her and thanked her for recommending the book. And I saw that and I was like, Leah, we got to read this book. Um, and so shout out to Julia and her friend. I don't know. Um, that tweet found me and I wasn't looking for it. Twitter just said here. Um, <laughs> so in this book, Akasha discusses, um, what back then would have been referred to new age spirituality that was becoming popular among African-American women kind of around late seventies, eighties, which is, um, and Ironically, not really. The Color Purple came out in, in 1982, the book. Um, and so Mama Rue discusses this as well on her podcast, how some of it was hoodoo, but they weren't really calling it hoodoo. They were calling it like new age. Um, so that's part of the book. But the part that we're focusing on is how it manifested creatively in Black women's literature. So Toni Morrison, Lucille Clifton, Alice Walker, Tony K. Bomber, so many others we're at the forefront of this. Um, and I feel like Toni Morrison as an editor nurtured so many Black women writers. Like, I actually felt like we found out about more in this book. Like, there are the typical ones that we hear about, but she was like everybody. Toni Morrison was helping out everybody um, or elevating them in the way that they should have been elevated. Um, also, the book is dedicated to Toni K. Pombera. Bombera, I think that's how you pronounce it, who was a friend of Akasha and someone she considered a spiritual mentor, although Tony was kind of skeptical of it, which is so funny. Like these black women were so contrarian and like, I don't know about all that. Um, and so she interviewed nine women and of that nine, five were pretty well-known black women writers. So she interviewed Lucille Clifton, which I thought was a big deal. So we got, this book has things straight from Lucille. Um, Dolores Kendrick, who I can't wait to read um, more of. Sonia Sanchez, Tony K. Bumbear, of course, her mentor, and Alice Walker. So that was exciting to see these personalities kind of interact because they was getting spicy. Like these women were in community with each other and Akasha was clearly like in community with these women. So that was like beautiful to just see. Yeah, I felt like this book kind of filled in all of the gaps from everything that I've read or I've heard or I've experienced about Black spirituality. And also it's been out for like 20 years. I'm like, how have I never heard of this book before? But yeah, it was a it was a really great read. So um, a question that Akasha Gloria Hall asked her subjects and that we can ask each other is how do you see yourself as a spiritual being and how does that spirituality manifest itself in your work? Big questions. Can you go first? Oh my God. <laughs> I'll try. Um, so how do I see myself as a spiritual being? I think for me, I'll, I'll say this, something that I am afraid of, and I think I'm afraid because I don't know is kind of what the afterlife is. Like I know that people who talk to spirits, they still have their kind of personality that they're here on earth. But I'm like, I guess for me, I'm so caught up. I'm like, what are the logistics of that? Like, what's it going to be like to be a spirit on the other side? But, or, or even like, am I going to remember this life that I'm living now? Because I don't remember a past life. So am I going to remember this that I remember now? But for me, as a spiritual being, I think of it as being in tune with the things around me um, in a larger context, being in tune with the universe. In a smaller context, being in tune with like the wind, the trees, the water, the earth, um, and all of these things. And really learning more about why I was sent here or why I brought myself here, because I know that in some African traditions, we are, we send ourselves back to earth. We send ourselves to live this life that we're supposed to live. So for me, spirituality man manifests itself in my work, I guess, because I view myself kind of as this, this channel um, and that's something I've been trying to figure out is how 
how much of my work is actually me and how much of my work is spirit or is like communicating with other spirits um, who are trying to tell me like this, the story you need to be writing and stuff like that. So I believe that like part of me writing for over half of my life is me preparing to tell the stories that need to be told. Um, and also kind of getting this rough material and cleaning it up in a way. So I view that as my contribution of learning how to write, learning how to master this craft of writing. So that way I can be able to tell the stories that my ancestors, um, want me to tell. So it's long, but yeah, (laughs) I love that. I don't know if I had this discussion with you about inner ch- inner child, how I wonder if our inner child is yes, a spirit. Um, I wonder about that because there's a story I wrote that I feel like that was my inner child, like that I was channeling that in writing this story about trying to make sense of a very like turbulent, turbulent childhood in some ways and turbulent parent child relationships. Um, But I also want to say that I think of myself as, in thinking about myself as like a spiritual being, it helps me to like, to divest a little bit from our over obsession with the body in super negative ways. Like, what does this body mean? Like, does this, like, this body does so much for me, but some of my obsession with how this body like manifests in the world is like, for what, like what matters the most, the spirit, my spirit that occupies this body or the body, I'd say the spirit that occupies this body. Um, and that I should be grateful to this body (laughs) for being my host and not like so critical. So I think that's the way that I try to think of. That's what I'm really trying to get to. And I'm working through. Um, how does it manifest in my work? I think in that way of like writing stories to or for my inner child, who I think comes through, um, but also like listening and taking the dialogue that comes to me and writing about it. Um, right now I'm working on, who knows when this short story going to be out in the world, probably not until like 2023, 2024, to be honest. That's just how it works. I've accepted it. Um, but it's about this young girl who starts seeing spirits and also is just surrounded by like somebody is always dying she talks about dying as if like everything's been died on like everything there's nothing in this world that hasn't been touched by death but then how do you um how do you then put that into a way that a child would communicate it I'm obsessed with us like thinking about big things but through the eyes of a child because I feel like children are the most wondrous beings on this planet and we don't listen to them enough which listen we we gonna talk about this soon about y'all's hatred of children because I'm getting tired of it but (laughs) but yeah I, I that's what I really like to do and I think that's a way that spirituality like manifests in it I hope that makes sense but yeah yeah I think it makes sense um So another question I had is what from the book resonated with you? I can go first. Um, So for me, I really loved reading about all of these experiences from these Black women writers who kind of had similar things that I did. I know I talked in our God in Nature episode about kind of being in nature, being alone a lot of the times and being able to like reflect and listen and communicate um with well I guess yeah with spirits um and these women had those very same experience they were also drawn to the natural world they spent a lot of their time either in the spiritual world or in like fantasy worlds that they read in books um and something else that I wanted to add is like my mama she's super into super uh sci-fi and fantasy so I grew up watching a lot of sci-fi fantasy, watching a lot of supernatural stuff. So yeah. I'm going to try to like not make this long. Okay. (laughs) 
Well, first I want to say I love the way this book talks about the ways folks with marginalized genders. So, of course, she centers it on Black women, but we kind of see that shift happening now today. And it's not just Black women. It's like non-binary folks. It's trans folks. It's all these different um, people who are turning to spirituality in various capacities, including hoodoo. Um, But I also want to... I loved what Alice Walker said. So Alice Walker is one of the contrarians. I say, based on the interviews in these books, I love them. I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way, but her... And Tony K. Bombera are like, nah, I want I want you to unpack that, what you just said. Like, that's the energy they give. Like, you're not just going to say something. So, um, yeah. So Alice Walker pushed back on the idea of the supernatural and insisted that, like, everything is natural. So she says, all of it is natural. I mean, speaking to spirits, whoever's around you, whoever's inside of you, it's perfectly natural. There's nothing supernatural about it. I mean, we're here on Earth. We're on the planet. They're here on earth. They're on the planet. Nobody has ever gone anywhere. That's that's why they're still here. Um, I hope I didn't type that wrong. But yeah. And I feel like it reminded me of something Lucille Clifton said that I can't remember at the moment. But this idea that like to assume that people die and they're just gone, like the energy is still here. It's everywhere. And so I love that. I never even thought about it that way, but that all of this is natural. Um, and then they get into this back and forth about reality versus like what you can see, which go read the book. Okay. Because I love, it's not just this person interviewing. It's like, these are black women having conversations, disagreeing, but also like working through things. And I love that about really about Akasha, like her inner, it wasn't just hardcore interviews. These feel like oral history, like oral oral histories that are happening in this book. And so um, another person, Dolores Kendricks, who was also interviewed, I cannot wait to read um, more of her work. Um, She talked about kind of what you were saying, Leah, which you can comment on this as well, like about channeling and how you really have to be prepared. You have, you have to have a long time contemplative prayer, which I think she says helped her with that, but it also led her to like historical records. So it wasn't just her straight up going off of, hmm, this came to me. She actually went and studied and looked through these things and then, um, you know, used the voices, um, served as a channel for these voices of these um, previously silenced slave women. Um, So I really love that. And I really want to read her collection, The Women of Plums. I actually just bought that collection. (laughs) Look at you ahead of the game. When I was reading her describe it, I was like, I want this. And it's so hard to find. I think think it's out of print. I think that's why it's so hard to find. But I did find a, um, a used copy from Thrift Books. Okay. So the last thing I'm thinking of the creative energy as something that links us to God or a higher power, um, which is something Dolores also touches on. Um, and I like, I'll, and like I said earlier, I also think it's something that links us to our ancestors, which I think Alice Walker and Lucille Clifton also touch on in this book in some way during their interviews. So I like the link to like some higher spiritual power that these, this creativity is not just us. And um, I think I think um, Dolores says this like there is nothing. Um, what do you call it when you created when you created something like you're the soul like original? Yes, essentially, like there's nothing original about that. These are somebody's stories. We are not the inventor of these. We are just like kind of a vessel. I hope I'm not misquoting that, but that's what I got from it. So. That really resonated with me. I love, I adore this book and I can't wait to talk more about it at a later date. (laughs) Yes. I think something that I think a lot of people really miss about the creative process is like how you can take either an image from your brain or words in your head and you make this concrete thing in the real world. And I'm like, that act by itself is magical. That creative act is magical. So something else that I still think about um, from Soul Talk is Akasha Gloria Hull shared this um, experience she had where she was abused when she was like um, nine. Mm -hmm. 
And she said that that abuse was a spiritual experience for both her and for the abuser. Um, And her explanation of it was kind of like, this is something that they both have to overcome in order to ascend, kind of like a test. Um, And so it really made me think of things differently because I, like, for me, I'm very resistant to the terms like empath or healer because it kind of makes it seem like it's this all or nothing thing, like you are all good or whatever. But I think all of us have the capacity to harm. All of us have the capacity to abuse someone else. And we have to work through those things. Um, something that I that this reminded me of was The Pharmacist, which is a documentary on Netflix. And in the first episode, there's this boy, he's 16, 17. He's very young and he's selling drugs in New Orleans. And he and one guy who's like 19, um, he tries to steal drugs because he doesn't have money. He's an addict. And so the black kid shoots and kills him. And so this black kid goes to jail. And so they have him after he's gotten out of jail. And he talks about that experience. And he talks about it in a way it's like, there's so much remorse, there's so much regret, but also there's this dedication to make something out of his life because someone on this earth is not here because of him anymore. And so even from this, this harmful experience, something good was able to come out of it uh, for him, but not just for him, like his dad also, because he lost his son, his dad went on like this, uh, voyage i guess to make sure that no one else lost their sons from or their children from drugs and he also um was able to stop this pill pusher in new orleans who was like doing thousands of opioid prescriptions a day wait so clarification and it may be that it just went over my head so who killed who so it was, uh, he was like a 16 year old black kid and he killed this 19 year old white guy. And the white guy's dad was a pharmacist who went against the, the pharmaceutical companies and essentially won. So okay. he was able to get a lot of drugs off the street. And then the black guy went to prison. And, but he also like came back around to the point where he's like, because I had to go through this experience and I had to take someone else's life, I'm spending my life or I'm dedicating every day of my life to make sure that I'm doing something, you know, positive and stuff, because I have to live with the fact that this person isn't alive anymore. Okay. Okay. So I think about like this tragic thing was an, a spiritual experience for both of these people who were affected by it. Yeah. I definitely think I still struggle with, you know, bad things happen to us or we or we or person does bad things and it's supposed to teach them something um and it's not that I don't think that's true I think I just struggle with it because I feel like bad things shouldn't have to happen to people and we shouldn't be harming people but um I also want to say I really like what you said about the idea of being an empath and healer I also think those terms kind of do something that Sonia Sanchez talked about in the book where it's like kind of an attempt to Um, other ourselves or be superior to other people who are not as evolved as us like Mm -hmm. I think most of us have the you know there's obviously exceptions but most of us have the capacity to empathize and most of us are impacted by the the feelings and emotions of those outside of us and um, we also like you say have the capacity to heal and that kind of thing I think we all have these gifts that are just like innate some of us are more open and some are not, but I definitely feel, I'm starting to feel weird about those kind of descriptors. Cause I just, I think it makes it seem like some people are this way and then, yeah. but the rest of y'all aren't, which isn't true. Um, Cause I never would have years ago, probably last year, I never would consider myself any of those terms. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what that means, but I know that I am deeply impacted by other people and, yeah, so. Yes. Um, and just another thing that I love that Lucille Clifton wrote uh, was balance or be balanced, which I think is like the laws of the universe. Mm, that is, see how little that was, but it was so much. Yes. Wow. 
queen. <laughs> like, I don't even know what else to say. So we also put together a list of authors uh, we think, you know, if you want to learn more about hoodoo, writing in the hoodoo tradition, spiritual writing, that kind of thing, we put to- together a list of um, Black writers um, that you guys should look into. So um, Lucille Clifton, of course, Toni Morrison, Alice Walker, Tony K. Bombera, Gail Jones, love her, uh, Sonia Sanchez, Zora Neale Hurston, of course, June Jordan, Gloria Naylor, Octavia Butler, Audrey Lord, <laughs> um, Polly Marshall. Yeah, and Dolores Kendrick, Shirley Ann Williams, Intazaki Shange, S. Diane Bogus, Tina McElroy Anza, Shirley Jackson Apoku, Joel Gomez, AJ Verdell, Devorah Major, and Phyllis Alicia Perry. I'm sure there are plenty, plenty more, but this is a good list to start with. And we'll put that um, those names in the description box. And yeah, you can... Just get to Googling. It's yeah. so much out there. And yeah, we need to be elevating the this elevate contemporary writers, of course, which we'll be doing because we're talking to all contemporary writers, um, but also um elevating the ancestors, ancestor writers who um and some of these people, let me know, some of these people are not ancestors, y'all, no, but y'all know alive. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I'm very excited for the season. I hope y'all stick around with us and listen to these amazing writers and artists and what they have to say. So yes, that's what I have. Same. It's going to be really beautiful. I've enjoyed everybody we talked to. It's been super inspiring. And um, I also want to say that we will likely do some follow-up conversations on our Patreon as many souls about this book because there's so much to touch on. Um, I was really struck by something Sonia Sanchez said about hoarding spiritual knowledge. And that's a, you know, when it comes to the sacredness of hoodoo, that's been a big discussion about what to share and what to not share online. Um, but I'm really interested in her perspective. Um, because I, I have thoughts and I hope we can talk more about it in relation to like, well, what's the line? And and is there any flexibility in this when it comes to getting our people um, free and getting them to at the very, even if they don't do nothing else to start doing some kind of practices that honor their ancestors in particular ways. Um, so, yeah. So if you like this episode, you can like, rate and review Hoodoo Plant Mamas on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll make sure to share it on the show. If anything from the show resonated with you, make sure to share it with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're so excited. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Bye.